history of Oklahoma is about winning championships. Brooks trying to make something happen. He breaks free. Kennedy breaks out. Forget the field goal. Win it with a touchdown. What is up, Sooner Nation? I am Casey Mellon, and you are now in a Sooner state of mind. Make sure you like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. With NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Sooner state of mind, family. What is good? Is it just me or does it feel like this 2023 season is never going to end? The games are done, but there's been so much news to continue to flow from this season. We're going to blink and 2024 season is going to be right upon us. And I'm definitely not belly aching about that. I'm actually completely stoked that it continues to live on. Last time we met, the Sooners had just parted ways with defensive coordinator Ted Roof. The word was that the next defensive coordinator would be Zach Alley. And last week, it finally became official. It's actually another co-coordinator situation. Zach Alley and Jay Valai will be the co-defensive coordinators for the Sooners next season. Allie will also coach the linebackers. He spent the last two seasons as the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Jacksonville State. He also served uh, the 2021 season in the same capacity at Louisiana Monroe. Allie worked under Venables for four years, 2015 through 2018, as a graduate assistant at Clemson when Venables was the D.C. and linebackers coach. I'm, I'm sensing some parallels here. And in those four seasons with Allie working primarily with the defensive tackles and linebackers, Clemson, 55-4, and tied with Alabama for the nation's best record during that span, won four ACC conference titles and two natties in 2016 and 2018. Allie said, quote, everything I do is based on what Coach Venables did at Clemson. That's been the foundation for how I've built defenses. I always respected how he handled himself as a coach and as a man, and I wanted to emulate that the best I could. From the moment I met him, I always wanted to be like him, have a career like his, lead the best defense in the country like him. He's obviously had a huge influence on me. I'm excited to be back with him. Allie's Jacksonville State defensive unit ranked 33 in scoring defense, 43rd in total defense. 
They also were fourth in the country in opponent's yard per rush at under three yards a carry, ninth in turnovers, 10th in interceptions, 12th in opponent's yards per play, under five, 13th in sacks per game. That was a huge deal with these Sooners down the stretch. And 15th in rushing defense, 17 in TFLs per game, 22nd in opponent third down conversions, only 32.7%. And 13 Jacksonville State defenders all had at least one interception in 2023. That was the most in the country. Allie is only 30 years old. He looks like an intense dude. He's being called a BV clone. Sounds pretty good to me. If you're going to model your game after somebody, why not have it be BV? Venables also announced that assistant coach Jay Valai has earned the addition of assistant head coach for defense to his title. He's now assistant head coach for defense, co-defensive coordinator, slash pass defense, slash cornerbacks, and nickelbacks. Venable says, I'm incredibly excited about these this defensive staff, the leadership in the room with Coach Valai, Coach Alley, Coach Bates, Coach Chavis, Coach Hall is exceptionally strong. And that is the truth, baby. A lot of young up-and-coming coaches on this staff. I'm very excited for both sides of the ball, but especially that defense. You better watch out. Um, Speaking of all those OU coaches, the OU Regents approved contract extensions and raises for Venable and his staff. Hopefully more money means less problems and we can keep this uh, core of young coaches and coordinators together for a while. That would be the plan anyways. Former OU defensive quarter coordinator Ted Roof. He's already found his new gig. He's staying in the Big 12. Roof landed at UCF as their new defensive coordinator. He is reunited with head coach Gus Malzahn. It's a pretty good fit there. And all that stuff will be plenty of big news in the coaching world, in college football. But there was another coach that rocked the world of college football. Talking. Can't talk today. What's going on? Nicholas Lou Saban Jr. Last week, he announced his retirement from coaching. The seven-time national championship winning coach retires number one in national championships and number five in wins. 297 wins, 71 losses, and one tie. It's a winning percentage of 806. That's 16th among major college football coaches with at least 100 victories. He's second in SEC victories, just behind Paul Bear Bryant, which seems fitting. And as of now, Saban will go down as the pinnacle, the godfather, the emperor of modern college football coaching. Saban's natties came in the BCF's 
format in 2003 at LSU, 2009, 2011, 2012 at Bama, and in the CFP format in 2015, 2017, and 2020. And ultimately, the 72-year-old said his age was making it harder for him to do the job he had done for the past 17 seasons. Quote, last season was difficult for me from just a health standpoint, not necessarily having anything major wrong, but just being able to sustain and do things the way I want to do them, the way I've always done them. Said it got a little bit harder, so you have to decide, okay, is this sort of inevitable when you get to my age? Saban also said it would be unfair to tell people he would be at Alabama for four or five more years and have constant questions about whether he would step away at the end of each season. Saban also shot down any belief that NIL had something to do with it. Don't make it about that. It's not about that, Saban said. To me, if you choose to coach, you don't need to be complaining about all that stuff. You need to adjust to it and adapt to it and do the best you can under the circumstances and not complain about it. Now, I think everybody is frustrated about it, but it ain't about it. it. Ain't about that. He also said it was a hard decision. I love coaching. I love the relationships with players. The thing that made it more difficult for me is I felt like it might be the right time for me, but how that impacted the players, the coaches, all the people who work here in the building and contributed to the success of that team, how would it affect them? That was the hard part, Saban said. Makes sense. Been there a long time. Brought in a lot of people, built a lot of relationships, obviously. So is there ever a good time to step away? I don't know. I think it comes at a good time for the Sooners. Sucks from a competitive standpoint. As I know, Sooner Nation was looking forward to going head-to-head against Saban in the move to the SEC, including that dirty tide coming to Norman next November. Mm. Still going to be sweet, even without Saban on the sidelines. All-time, the Sooners are 1-2 and versus Nick Saban. We got our first taste on January 4, 2004 in the National Championship game at the Sugar Bowl. Saban's LSU Tigers beat our Sooners 21-14. A very banged up Jason White going into that game. Got destroyed by that Tigers defense. Seven sacks, two interceptions, including the game-winning pick six. And that was a stout OU team, man. I know they had lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, but they had several chances to win that LSU game. It was just brutal. Um, Like I said, Jason White was banged up going in, and he got destroyed in that thing. If he was fully healthy, I think the Sooners win that game. Then 10 years later, there was the 2014 Sugar Bowl. Sooners were heavy underdogs. Went down to Bourbon Street and put a 45-31 beatdown on the stacked Alabama team featuring Derrick Henry. <laughs> and I remember watching that game wondering why they didn't hand the ball to him every play. He had 100 yards on eight carries and was unstoppable. Just like same as the NFL, just batting away would-be tacklers, just cruising, man. They should have just fed him the entire game. 
Sooners defense got after McCarron. Oh, what a brilliant, brilliant game. And you know who else was unstoppable? Trevor Knight. Knight had the night of his life. You see what I did there? 32 of 44, 348, four touchdowns and one interception. Was throwing dimes that night. Lasers, baby. And that was a whooping absolutely no one saw coming. Except my friend Holly and Norman. She believed in those Sooners when not a lot of people did. I remember talking it up before the game. So props goes out to her for standing by the Sooners, even when it didn't look good. Had the faith. She knew that there would be a little Sooner magic that night. Um, and then <laughs> the 28 Orange Bowl, the CFP semifinal. Bama beat our Sooners 45 to 34, and it was not nearly as close as that score would indicate. Bama was up 21-0 in the first quarter, got it up to 28-0, and never looked back. Just ran us out of town, man. Um, Saban will stay connected to the Bama program, though, and he will have an office at the stadium. Nick Saban's also going to have his choice of any TV gig he wants if he chooses to go down that path. Um, maybe he just wants to be on the boat more. Who knows? Take a little time and figure it out. Dudes like that, I don't think, are content without doing some kind of work. Um, and especially something he's done for so many years. We probably will see more of him. Either way, definitely one or definitely the end of the most prolific career we've seen in modern college football. No question. Saban is the goat of all college goats. And maybe it is a fitting time for Saban to go with all the conference realignments, the 12-team playoff on the horizon. He saw the shift. Maybe he's like, I'm deuces. So what does that mean for Bama moving forward? There was a couple of, uh, you know, names that got floated out there. Some maybe had interest, some maybe did not. Who knows? But they did move quickly, and they made Kellen DeBoer their new head coach. DeBoer fresh off of leading the Washington Huskies to the national championship. Huskies did lose to Michigan, but in two seasons with UW, they went 25-3. and three. And overall, DeVore's record as a head coach is 104-12. That is pretty good, some good numbers. But this is stepping up to an entirely different level with entirely different expectations and with an entirely different standard. I mean, Bama has been that program for pretty much the entire time the Saban's been there. Maybe not the first year, but that's been what every other team has tried to model their program after nobody's been able to do it. And now Kalen's, he's got to keep it going. And not only that, but with any coaching change, you get players jumping into the portal, but when you have Saban retiring, you get some of the best players in college football jumping into the portal. 
with varying degrees of coping from a very fragile fan base. Bama has up to 27 players exiting the program, including some blue chippers, maybe the biggest loss, freshman All-American defensive back Caleb Downs. Downs is committed to Ohio State. That is a huge get for those Buckeyes. Good news is Kalen DeVores is bringing former four-star quarterback Austin Mack with him to Bama. He's hoping to fill the void as five-star quarterback and Bama commit Julian Salen will be entering the portal. Doesn't have a school as of yet. Sure, he's going to find something pretty soon. Placing DeVores at Washington will be Jed Fish who Sooner Nation might remember from his time as former head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. I really think Fish is a good coach. That is a great hire for the Huskies. If he's able to do a turnaround with the Huskies, as he did with Washington, at the level that he's getting in there at, it's going to be a team that's going to compete in the uh, the Big Ten for some championships. We'll see, though. Michael Penix Jr., um, Helps make everything else look good. And that Huskies team is losing some talent, some very good talent. So we'll see. But what does this mean for Bama? DeBoers is stepping into impossible shoes to fill. How many losses before they start burning effigies in dude's front yard? One, two. How much grace will these rabid fans show him? I'm not saying he will, but dude could have one of the most prolific careers ever. And even if he wins five natties, it still won't be up to the Saban standard. It is absolutely a no-win situation. Not only that, but nobody brings the clout that Saban did. Year in, year out, Saban almost always got his guys to show up for every game. There hasn't been anybody else to do it like this guy. I'm not sure anyone else can. When he would go in to talk to those recruits, show the hardware, sit there, talk to the families, a huge star. I don't know that anybody else has that much star power. That being said... At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Will Bama still be Bama? I'm not sure that it will. They're not going to be Saban's Bama. And that was the biggest thing they had going. We'll see what happens in these next few years. So in the SEC, you obviously still have Georgia at the top. But with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, that conference just got a little more wide open. So when you look at it like that, it's actually pretty good timing for the Sooners. Even with that shakeup at Alabama, according to Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, the Sooners have the second most difficult schedule in all of college football. Oh, welcome to the SEC, Sooner. Here's your schedule. 
and we will break it down team by team and look at all of um, the opponents in a future episode. But there are a lot of awesome yet brutal games on that schedule, including finishing the regular season, hosting Alabama, and then going on the road to LSU. Wow. Totally brutal, but we wanted that smoke, and I am stoked for it. Bring it on, baby. You want to be the best? You got to beat the best. I'm excited. Speaking of great timing, well, actually not great timing, more like better late than never, Dewey Selman was finally named to the College Football Hall of Fame. He's in the 2024 class, and he was part of the feared OU Sooner legend Selman Brothers defensive line trio from those badass Sooner defenses in the early and mid-70s. Selman becomes Oklahoma's 24th former player in the College Hall of Fame, fifth straight defender, Roy Williams, Ricky Dixon, Brian Bosworth, Rod Schott. He will be one of... 19 former players and one of uh, three former coaches inducted in this 2024 class. Some of the players, Randy Moss, Alex Smith, Warwick Dunn, Larry Fitzgerald, Dan Hampton, Steve Hutchinson, Julius Peppers, and others. Selman started both defensive tackle and nose guard for the Sooners in four years on campus. Can you imagine a cat like this playing four years now? It just does not happen. Four years. In his four years, OU was 43-2-1, and 946 winning percentage, best in the country, won four straight Big 8 championships, national titles in his junior and season seasons, uh, junior and senior seasons, 74 and 75, first team All-America in 74, and consensus All-American in 75, finished his OU career with 325 tackles. Are you kidding me? 25 TFLs, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and in a 16-13 win over Texas in 1974, Dewey Selman, 22 tackles. Destroying horns left and right. That is still the single-game school record by a defensive lineman. So he also has an OU bowl record for tackles by a defensive lineman, 13 in a 14-6 Orange Bowl win over Michigan that gave the Sooners the national title. And Selman is just one of five OU defensive linemen with 100-plus single-season tackles twice. Not once, but twice. And why, while Selman was a starter from 73 to 75, OU went 32-1-1. and Sooners allowed just, are you kidding me, 12.1 points per game in 73, 8.4 in 74, and then 12.8 in 75. His 34, 34 career start, second most by an OU defensive lineman at the end of his career. And his squads finished in the top three of the AP rankings, second in 72, third in 73, and number one in 74 and 75. The King, Barry Switzer, said, I am thrilled to death for Dewey, who's now the second Selman to go into the College Football Hall of Fame. All three of the Selman brothers had a tremendous impact on the University of Oklahoma and on college football. 
as they were the only three brothers to start side by side on the defensive line. We went 54-3-1 when Selman played at Oklahoma. They had a definite impact uh, during their careers. They were all all Americans and all graduated with honors. There could have been a better representation for the University of Oklahoma than the Selmans. Pretty sweet. Congratulations. If you grew up in Norman, you knew all about these guys. Maybe it was uh, you know before my time, but I had heard all about them. So before a lot of Sooner Nation's time, but huge pillars as part of um, the Oklahoma tradition of football, as opposed as you see um, the statues, Championship Park there. So congratulations. Little current Sooner news. Wide receiver Nick Anderson named to the Football Writers Association of America freshman All-America team. Anderson, only the second OU wide receiver to earn those honors since they began making selections in 2001. Marvin Mims, the other one in 2020. Both of them share something in common, a huge touchdown against those Texas Longhorns. Nick Anderson, 798 yards and 10 touchdowns on 38 receptions. Do the math, people. That's pretty damn good. One of those touchdowns, I just mentioned it, the game winner against Texas. If you're not watching and just listening, you won't see that, obviously. But hop on the YouTubes and check it out. You don't want to miss it. His 700-night receiving yard, 798, second most ever by an OU freshman, 807 by our dude CD, ranked fifth nationally with his 21 yards per reception, and he had 100 receiving yards three times, 90 or more receiving yards in five games. It's just coming together for him. Sky is the limit, and I am completely stoked to see what Anderson and Arnold do the next couple seasons. I have a feeling they are going to light it up. A couple of 2024 Sooners were doing work this week. Jaden Jackson and David Stone kicking butt in the Polynesian Bowl. This is um, a bowl game. It's held in Honolulu, Hawaii. Some of high school's best players getting in one last game before moving on to college. Stone and Jackson had a great week of practice and a great game. And David Stone walks away with yet another award, a co-MVP from the game. Man, cannot wait to get those guys in the program, get a summer of messing with Schmitty, and then watching them do work on that defensive line next year. I know I say it a lot, but I am completely stoked. Cannot wait to see these guys. On the field, Boomer, MF, Sooner. Why are we, are we really going to talk about this? Oh, well, who cares? It's just a, a little bit. Um, Texas Athletics Program, very powerful financially speaking. Um, it had just over $271 million in operating revenue during its 2023 fiscal year. 
according to its new annual revenue and expense report to the NCAA. Lots of money around that program. That's no surprise. Finally putting together a 10-win season. It's got added interest, added donations, added everything. Maybe matching their financial power is their level of sensitivity. Seems that Texas basketball coach Rodney Terry is not a fan of the horns down. You see it often on this show. Bing, 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 bing. Um, Hims got a little upset after UCF whooped them horns on the hardwood. Had a lot to say about it. I didn't hear him say if he was a fan of the horns up gesture, which I am not. I am offended by the horns up gesture. Word on the street was, though, <laughs> that opposing fan bases do not share Terry's sentiment and have yet another finger gesture that will now compete with the horns down. This one of a single-digit variety. Not only that, but <laughs> little did Terry know, his complaints will act like horns down fertilizer. <laughs> They're going to start popping up everywhere. He just poured water on the horns down gesture like it was a gremlin. Okay? It's not going to have <laughs> the desired results, my brother. Trust me. So sensitive. Speaking of horns, former Longhorn Husker Al and Sooner Legacy, quarterback Casey Thompson, seventh year of eligibility, has joined the Sooners for the 2024 season. He has some veteran leadership to the position and a great JIC option, but hopefully not. JIC, just in case. You hip nerds. So he's a good fit there. And I think it will be good to have a, a mentor behind Jackson Arnold there and an option just in case. A lot of youth in that quarterback room moving forward. So it's definitely a good fit. Um, in some former Sooner quarterback news, Caleb Williams officially declared for the 2024 NFL draft. There was some speculation that he might return to SC if he didn't like the prospect of what team he might be drafted by. I always thought that speculation was a bunch of BS. Um, I thought he was going to go no matter what. Williams attended high school in the Washington, D.C. area. The Durs currently hold the second pick in the upcoming draft behind the Bears who hold the number one overall pick. The Bears must choose if they want to move forward with Justin Field, who's starting to show flashes, but is going to be due that first, well, the second contract, but the first big contract coming up. Do they move forward with Fields, or do they draft Williams and find a trade partner for Fields? He's going to have a lot of value. But if the Durs really want Caleb, which they should, the Bears have the opportunity to squeeze Washington or any QB-hungry team for a ginormous collection of picks. Throw in some picnic baskets, and you probably have a deal. It's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. More news for Sooner quarterbacks in the NFL. 
Last week's wild card round, it was Baker and the Bucks hosting Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And Baker was full on shaking and baking, beating the former NFC champion Eagles 32 to 9. Wow. Baker outstanding in the game, 22 at 36 for 337. Three touchdowns and no interceptions. Not even Tommy ever did that in a Bucks uniform. And that 22 at 36 was with a handful of drops. I saw at least five drops in that game. And Baker was on point all night, putting together a great game. Got just enough out of the run to really enhance the play action, which Baker is so good at, moving around. And he was just dealing out there. And you can't be more stoked for this guy as shaky as a start as it got off of in his NFL career, going to the dumpster fire that is the Cleveland Browns, then to Carolina, spending some time with the Rams, finding a home in Tampa, and he's got those dudes in the playoffs. Pretty sweet. Flip it over to Jalen. He struggled. No A.J. Brown in that game. No run game. And it was really brutal for him. He had the uh, the broken talent from the week before. Mine aren't broken, but they're kind of weird and double-jointed. His middle finger on his throwing hand. It's tough to throw a football with that janky finger. Just 25 at 35 for 250 and one TD. But it was that Bucks defense that was outstanding. Holding the Eagles to 0 for 9 on third down. 42 yards rushing on 15 carries. Three sacks, multiple pressures, and multiple hits on Jalen Hurts. It was brutal out there, especially when they went empty backfield. Todd Bowles brought the heat and uh, really made the Eagles pay for it. And they kept going to it, which was shocking to me, but whatever. I am not an offensive coordinator, although I will take some fired coaches' money. Believe that. If you want to fire me, give me that golden parachute. Um, Baker and the Bucks will be at Detroit on Sunday with an opportunity to go to the NFC Championship on the line. Are you kidding me? Let's go. Detroit's got a very stout run defense, second in the NFL. We'll put even more pressure on Baker's shoulders. Same shoulders where that giant chip sits. Rashad White starting to get that run game going a little bit, even if it's uh, with the passing game, but they have to be able to run to keep that uh, Detroit front off of Baker just a little bit. Baker's been outstanding this season. Comeback player of the year, in my opinion. We'll see what happens, but go from bouncing from team to team to a division championship and now a wild card win, and now he could go to Detroit one game away from the NFC championship. Are you kidding me? Let's go. Baker's going to have to be good, if not better, than he was last week on Sunday. Good luck to Baker, and we will check back next week. Some more Sooners in the playoffs. Not sure if Braden Willis will be active or not, but Trent Williams will be active. Maybe the best left tackle in the NFL as the 49ers take on the Packers. They're coming off their bye week. A home game is a little wet up in Santa Clara. We will see what happens in that game, but the Niners a heavy, heavy favorite in that one. Um. Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, Wanye Morris, James Winchester, and the Chiefs will visit Jordan Phillips and the Bills on Sunday. 
This will be Mahomes' first road playoff game in the playoffs besides the Super Bowls. This has been an awesome matchup between Allen and Mahomes. They each have three wins. Bills have yet to beat these Chiefs in the playoffs, though. And this one comes with a trip to the AFC Championship as well. Who do they think they're going to see in that AFC Championship? Probably the Ravens. And speaking of Ravens, Mark Andrews returned to practice this week. He's probably, well, he'll still be out for the divisional round game. Maybe he can get back if they win to the AFC Championship. But I would fully expect him back if they can advance to the Super Bowl. Has a few weeks to get healthy. Such a huge part of that Ravens offense. Isaiah likely has been a nice um, fill-in for Andrews. But when this offense has been its best for Lamar, Mark Andrews is a huge reason why. So I would love to see him be able to get back in the mix if the Ravens can beat C.J. Stroud in Iando's Texans. Um, it's going to be a sweet game, and good luck to all of our Sooners competing in the NFL playoffs this weekend. And it's just a short three months or 12 weeks or 2,190 hours until the OU spring game on April 20th, 420. Hey, it's getting closer, people. Make sure you like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify so you get to take the journey with us. Also, head on over to Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Go to shows. Type in Sooner State of Mind. Boom. You are locked. More liking, more subscribing. Give us those sweet reviews. It is greatly appreciated. So much great, great content at Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere, Believe.com. If you want to watch Sooner State of Mind, head on over to YouTube and search The Football Dudes. You got it. It's just that easy, people. Be part of the solution. Sooner State of Mind is brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Casey Mallon, and I am in a Sooner State of Mind.